After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is Andrew Aoki, principal and co-founder of Three Point Consulting, LLC, and College Connections Hawaii. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, Andrew Aoki. Welcome to our show, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about Three Point Consulting? Yeah, Three Point is an idea that uh, my business partner and I, James Kushiba, uh, came up with as a, as a way to match our own consulting skills or our own backgrounds with trying to do uh, public good. And so we work primarily with nonprofits, uh, but also with government agencies. Uh, our backgrounds is, are, are in public policy, so we are really interested in moving forward a, a positive public policy agenda. So we do policy research papers, reports, evaluations, all that kind of good thing, and we've managed to keep busy enough to live. What kind of uh, company would come to you for consulting? So uh, take, for example, like a, a nonprofit organization. We've worked with um, both very small community-based organizations as well as larger organizations like, say, the Humane Society or the Academy of Arts. Um, and oftentimes it's looking at, at strategic planning, so thinking about what they're doing as a whole, kind of taking a step back and working with their board and staff, trying to envision what they're going to do over the next few years. Uh, and it could be business planning. I mean, really looking at the uh, revenues and expenses of a new initiative that a nonprofit might have. And, of course, now these nonprofits are, are looking a lot more sort of at different kinds of enterprise models. And uh, so business planning for nonprofits has become kind of a, kind of a big deal right now. So this is business strategy planning. Is it also how to incorporate the community and helping the community? Sure. In fact, you know, the most important niche I think that we're able to play, I hope, is um, really combining your mission with the business reality of trying to stay alive as well. And nonprofits, in fact, it's extremely challenging for nonprofits to do this because they have really two bottom lines. They have to, on the one hand, stay financially viable, but at the same time, and do all the things that businesses have to do, work with staff, uh, meet regulations, do all of that stuff. But at the same time, they have a social mission that if they're not accomplishing what they need to accomplish, then they really have no, you know, why do we exist, right? And so that's not always easy because a lot of times you're trading off between the social mission and your own business viability. So those are difficult questions. And working together with the board, you can figure out ways to, to uh, really advance both at the same time. Do you have any examples of uh, successes that you guys have um, implemented with one of these organizations or, or so? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we worked with one organization that was considering an expansion into a new part of uh, the, the, the state in terms of some of the services. I won't go into too much detail. I don't want to give away who it is, but because it's a business idea and it's still like in the works. So we don't want anybody to compete, right? So, so nonprofits are just like any other business. You come up with some ideas and you have to uh, see them through. But in this case, 
uh, we had to look at two things, not just the market in that new area. Okay, like how many people will demand the services, how, many, how much can they pay for them, uh, and all of that, and how much does rent cost, and all the things you would do in a regular business. But really had to think hard about what's the need for it out there? You know, what public good is going to be created by them being there? You know, what are the, the needs, and, and this was a health organization, what are the health needs of those populations? Can they access this organization? I mean, all those things that maybe a typical business might not really care about, but for a nonprofit that has that bottom line as well, you have to talk. You have to think hard about what's the public benefit to what you're doing. So, tell me if this is correct. You're working with a regular company, and you're pretty knowledgeable about the nonprofit organization. So you're bringing them together, how they can work together. No, it's it's really just dealing with nonprofits. Okay. For the most part, um, we we have done work with uh, some for for profit organizations, and we've. Uh, that are thinking about some of the social benefit of what they do. I think that's important work as well. Uh, and then we have government clients as well. So certain government agencies, they might be reviewing their programs or trying to trying to work with the community better. Um, we do a lot of facilitation with community uh, groups. Um, so anything, you know, the common thread of all of this stuff is that it has to produce some public value. And that's Kind of what we think. That's your criteria. That's right. your criteria to pick up a client is they have to have some kind of public value. Right. It has to create some kind of public value. And, and normally we think of that in terms of well, government does that, but we know that it's not just government. Nonprofits do that. Businesses can do that. For-profit businesses can do that, and individuals can do that. Right. So we don't discriminate in that sense. I mean, it's not just about government work or nonprofit work. It's really about how do we put all the pieces together in our community to uh, create public value instead of just private value. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is Andrew Aoki, principal and co-founder of Three Point Consulting LLC and College Connections Hawaii. So, Andrew, what is it that prepared you for this type of business? What were you guys doing before? <laughs> I don't think anything really prepared me for for this kind of business. And anybody who started up a business knows you're never really prepared, actually. But uh, the reason why we wanted to was because our backgrounds were, are, are in public policy. And there's really not that much to do, actually, when you come back home with a graduate degree in public policy. You can work for government. So we worked uh, back... I met James at the uh, state auditor's office where I worked there for a little while. Uh, I, w I worked in nonprofits. I worked at the YMCA. 
Uh, I had the opportunity to be a, um, a grant manager for HMSA, which was really interesting being on that grant-making side as opposed to the side that's always looking for grant dollars. Um, but I think I've always been somebody who um, you know, wanted to get a good balance of my own time and creativity and time with my family and work. And the best way to do that, I think, is to kind of create your own. It's risky, but I mean, it's, it's fun, you know, and you can always go back and do something else if we have to. What, what drew you to this industry? I mean, public policy and why would you want to do something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that goes back to, I mean, I've always been in public service uh, uh, in my many, many jobs, short-lived jobs uh, <laughs> in my career, if you can call it that. Um, and um, I've always been interested in different aspects of it, both the management side of it, planning, funding, the government, the politics, all of that stuff. So this was really a chance to try and put it all together and take whatever I do know uh, which I guess some people think is, is useful, and that's great if it, if it can help people. Um, this was a neat way to do it because what I can do is kind of customize the needs of different clients or the community. If they need facilitation, we can do some of that. If they need research, they need planning, they need financial numbers crunching or statistics or whatever, we can, we can do some of that. So this is just a way to apply my own interests to public service. And did somebody teach you to be this way where you would help the public and help others or have you, you know, you said that you've done that with all of your jobs, but who taught you to be that way? Wow, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if, uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of see it as an obligation growing up. I mean, I, I guess you, you start with your parents, you know, my, my, uh, my, my, my dad was in, uh, school actually in the south actually in the 50s you know back when there were uh, white and non-white you know, bathrooms and things like that i think that you know while my parents never indoctrinated us with any kind of politics or anything i think that's kind of where it comes from that there's some there are a lot of things going on right now that need to be worked on and if we're just sort of busy working on our own things with our job or, or you know buying a house or doing whatever else we're all trying to strive for uh, all those other things won't get done. Well, you know, as a male, though, did you ever look at it and think non-profit, that means that they're not going to make profit and they won't be able to pay me well. What's, <laughs> you know, what's the myth on that? Well, it's, it's not a myth in some ways. I mean, I think people <laughs> in nonprofits make make a lot less than in the for-profit sector. But, um, uh, I mean, I guess it kind of depends what you want. You know, I I think if... If I've had any success in life, and that's probably questionable, but if I have, uh, it's because I don't want that much in terms of uh, things like that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. I got a great family, and I got a lot of things, and I'm not starving or anything else. And there's a lot of people that can't say that, you know. So um, there's a lot of benefit to be derived by working in public service. I think that you just can't, uh, you know, you can't measure in terms of, of how much you make. So YMCA, you said, had a big impact on you growing up and, and your involvement with that. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. When I was a, uh, you know, a little kid, I, you know, a lot of things that people do in the Y, you know, play basketball, learn how to swim. Um, but when I became a junior leader, um, 
that's really the start of when I started to be more conscious about others, you know. And um, one good example is, uh, you know, I was the president of my teen club, and we have, we, you know, you plan dances, and that was like the big thing, right, in the 80s. And um, it, it was made really clear to me as the leader of an, a group putting on a dance that this dance, you know, why do you have a dance? Well, to have fun, you know, you want to score, you want to have fun, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, finally started to make me think, well, that's why everybody's here. So all those wallflowers, you know, the guy's not dancing. So what are you doing for them? You know, how are you making it happy, you know, uh, fun for them? And, uh, yeah, it's a simple example, but really it's started to really make me think about the obligations that we have to others and the, the requirements of leadership, that sometimes it's not just about you. In fact, most times it's not about you. <laughs> you know, you, you should take care of yourself. You do all those things. But really, what can you do in terms of thinking about others' needs? What did you do? Did you, like, what, just push them in the middle? Make them dance? <laughs> hey, you got to dance with everybody and anybody. And you got to, and then if, you know. Like speed dating or what? And then for the guys who are out there, you got to go get the, you know, get some of the female leadership to go out there and dance with them and make sure it's fun, you know? And and the thing is, it's not because you pity them or anything like that. It's because you really start to believe after a while that, hey, really, this is about us all having a good time. And um, and so there's something really true about that that uh, that was instilled in me, I think, early on. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with Andrew Aoki, principal and co-founder of Three Point Consulting, LLC, and College Connections Hawaii. So, Andrew, can you tell us a little bit about College Connections Hawaii? Yeah, uh, right about, uh, gee, I, I guess now almost six, seven or eight years ago, actually, I was working at this at the auditor. I just started a mortgage. Uh, you know, I was recently married, and uh, my friend from college called me up and said, hey, bro, come over, go quit your job. We're going to go start this thing. And I said, okay. I mean, what else do you do when you just started a mortgage? Quit your, your, your stable job and you go start a business. So we started this thing. And in part, it was just to do counseling for kids because we just felt like there was such a huge imbalance between kids that go to private schools and kids that go to public schools in terms of the counseling, the help, the motivation, the expectations of kids. All of that was so skewed that we just felt like there needed to be something. And, and as we got going, we realized how huge the need was for not just that. I mean, that was one obstacle. But then there's the financial aid obstacles. There's the standardized tests. 
there's all these other hurdles. Just the essay, the essay to write a co- uh, to get into college. I mean, it's a huge hurdle for a lot of these kids. And so there's so much more that we decided, hey, let's get other people to pay for it. Let's start a nonprofit uh, and um, write for grants and uh, start some kind of, and really it's kind of a hybrid. I mean, it's a nonprofit, but really we realized too that there's a market for some of these educational services, test prep and all of that stuff. So we can sell that stuff if it's a high quality product, make a lot of the fees that way, and then also apply for grants and make sure it's accessible to all kids. So College Connections was a point where people could come to you or a center or a program where you could connect them with putting in touch with college counselors or? Well, basically the big um, problem we're trying to work on, right, is that there's way too many kids that could go to college but don't. And for a lot of reasons that are totally, totally, you know, we could be addressed. And so what we've done is actually we've taken a much more decentralized approach than that. Actually, we have um, tutors uh, that, that tutor young kids uh, throughout the state. We do test prep classes. We train uh, test prep instructors and then go do these SAT test prep classes and make them super accessible. They're like, if you're, if you're low income or whatever, you pay almost nothing. Uh, if you're middle income, you pay another fee. If you can afford it, you pay the full fee. It's a sliding scale kind of thing. But the bottom line is like way too few kids are getting prepped for this. And, and if you just took the test ahead of time as a practice, I mean, your score will go up 50 points automatic just because you're familiar with the test. You know, and that's totally unfair that some kids can't access that, I think. So you folks were helping the disadvantaged students financially, like helping them with their application fees, putting them in touch with financial institutions. Working with it, trying to uh, demystify the financial aid process. Yeah, so do workshops for parents and students. It's an extremely confusing, you know, process. Financial aid is like, you know, it's it's like it's like taxes. Basically, it's extremely complicated. And at least with taxes, you can hire an accountant or something like that. I mean, how how do how do families help? You know, going through all the forms and all the decisions that have to be made. It's not that straightforward. The counselors in Hawaii are awesome at, at pretty much all levels. The problem is, like in public schools, there's like one counselor to three hundred kids. I mean, how how much time can you really spend to disseminate that information? So counselors are working really hard. I think there's a need for that supplemental uh, help as well. And so are you able to share with us a story of a student that did go through your program since you've been in service for eight years now? Yeah, a lot of, um, when we started, actually, we did um, these kind of full-service workshops. We got we started, we asked for, um, I think, $280,000, a $280,000 grant. And we got a uh, four thousand, so <laughs> so we scaled down a little bit and uh, uh, did like a workshop, uh, like a series of workshops for kids of Molokai, actually, who were co- college potential. I mean, they had good grades and all that. But um, and we worked with that group. We did college searches online with them, kind of talked through like what would be a good fit college-wise. You know, uh, what would be a um, you know, kind of matches both your career goals, but also like your learning style and all that stuff. There's no place to look up that kind of stuff. Um, work with them on SAT prep, went through the kinds of questions, made sure they took it, right? Because a lot of times the reason kids don't go is because they didn't, they forget to take it, right? Or they can't afford the fee. So make sure they get fee waivers if they, uh, if they were eligible. And a lot of those kids, uh, in fact, we just found out from, from a couple of those kids that are now graduates of college. It's, it's awesome, you know?
Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is Andrew Aoki, Principal and Co-Founder of Three Point Consulting, LLC, and College Connections Hawaii. So with College Connections, do you think that you are kind of passionate about that because of your educational background? I mean, you went to Stanford, Harvard, University of Michigan. You have a lot of degrees. Is that one of the reasons why you wanted to do it? Yeah, I tell people that I try to be useful despite all that education, actually. I mean, if there's one thing, part of part of it was at that point we realized if there's one thing we know how to do, it's apply to schools. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, like, uh, if we can share that with the world. I mean, obviously I've had some uh, success with that. Um, I mean, I've been really lucky to have that. And And I guess as I look back on my life, it's all a product in many ways of good fortune. You know, I mean... I mean, I'm, I'm humbled by the amount of help I've gotten uh, just to be where I am. And um, I think there's something fundamentally unfair about a, a society where you can't access that just because you can't afford it. I mean, there's a lot of kids that have as much or far more potential than I ever had, you know, when I was a kid, but because they can't uh, take a prep class or they can't, uh, you know, go to just get the information about the schools that they can go to, they can't go. I mean, that's that's crazy, right? So, um, yeah, it's kind of a product, and I guess in some ways, of, of that and feeling like people need to be able to access that. What age are they able to seek your services? Yeah, we do um, actually, uh, we, we started doing tutoring uh, a couple years back for K-6, K to, K to or K-12, to actually, so... Basically, from then all the way through uh, through high school, and then even college age. I mean, we've worked with some kids when we just got started out. When we started out, like I did, every, you know, me and Ren, Ren, the person I started with, did everything. I mean, we did the counseling, the fundraising, all that stuff. And uh, we, you know, so we've worked with kids that um, uh, are transferring to from a two-year to a four-year school, things like that. So I, I think, and I think we need to develop services for people beyond that as well. I was wondering if you had um, an instance where maybe there was a child growing up 
knew that they couldn't financially afford maybe the tests or even getting into college. So then they kind of lacked on their studies. Then they realized that these services are available for them. So you or your services helped to motivate them because they saw a path to be able to get into college. Mm-hmm. Are you able to share a story with us? I mean, that has to start really early on, right? So um, you know, a lot of times counseling in, at, at public schools doesn't kick in. It can't because they don't have enough people really kick in until you know, junior year in high school. But by then, if you've already decided you can't do it or you can't afford it or I'm not smart enough or whatever, it's kind of too late, right? So, I mean, some of the – start skewing a lot of services a lot earlier into even middle school to start talking to parents. And that's – if you go to – you know, people have gone to, like, the elite private schools in Hawaii. That's when they start, right? You go, in, you go to, like, Iolani or something at seventh grade, and they tell you you're going to go to four-year college, at that point, I mean, how many public school students get that message? It's not even a question, and it's not even a question that you're going away. That's right. Right? You don't even think about it. It's like, well, I'm going to college and I'm going away. Which is also kind of sad, too, because a lot of those kids go without really having really thought about it that much, right? Like how like I went. I mean, I, the, I, I, I just went, went to U.S. News World Report, picked some schools, and said, yeah, I'll go there. But I had no clue. You know, I mean, every, all of us, private school, public school, I mean, could use some good... Um, assistance and and the counselors are there and that's awesome and I think there's room for more help as well. So for our audience, which is our primary, um, they have younger kids. What would you recommend for them to prepare their kids in order to be prepared to get into colleges and, and name brand colleges and and pay for it and so on? Well, that's that's a that's a funny question actually because you know I have two young kids myself and uh, think about this all the time. It's take on it's taking on all new meaning, right? And one of the big questions people have is, you know, do I have to, some, some people wrestle with is, you know, am I, do I need to get my kid into a private school early on? And I mean, I didn't go to private school all, all my life. I went for high school kind of reluctantly even at that, but you know, it was, a, it was huge in terms of the opportunities that were opened up. I think you gotta know how to, you gotta enjoy learning, you know? And so a lot of people like drill their kids in like flashcards and things like this. You know, I mean, there's nothing that beats actually liking to read because you like the stories in them, you know, or liking math because it's useful, because it helps you do stuff, cook or do science things or or builds, build things, you know. That's the love of learning. And that happens really early on. And public school or private school, it doesn't matter. If you don't love learning at an early age, I mean, you're not going to have the foundation to really love it enough to do all the, the, the hell that, goes, that you have to go through to get into college. <laughs> so you helped to start a couple of these businesses, and yet you're still very involved in the community. I mean, your, your businesses help the community also, but you're involved in the Women's Coalition and um, Hawaii Community Services and the National Kidney Foundation. You know, you serve on the boards of these. How are you able to do your businesses, balance your family, and still yet be involved with these other organizations in the community? Yeah, that's a, uh, the, the thing that makes me think of it is, have I been able to balance all those things? I don't know. I don't know. You should ask my wife that. <laughs> Probably, um, I have a strong sense, I think, of priorities in my life and also what I need, right? So, and like I said, I don't need that much. So I don't work until I... I can't work anymore. I don't try and make as much money as I possibly can. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't... So, so there's plenty of free time, actually, if you 
do that. You have to be super efficient, I think, with with your time. Make sure you're spending it on the right things. And I'm not I'm no master at this. I haven't I haven't mastered it yet, but I try very hard to um, invest in family and in the community and make sure the things that I am involved in I can I can have adequate time to do them. And I and when I can't I, I stop. I, I I move on to other things. So would you recommend for other young people to get involved with community based organizations also, even though they have families and busy schedules and a professional career to deal with? Yeah, I mean, not only would I recommend that, I, I guess I kind of feel like we have an obligation to do that. I mean, if our society is going to get better, and if you have young kids and you think about the, the world they're going to live in um, years from now, uh, if you want them to live in a place that's safe and and, um, and, 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 and they can bring out the full quality of their life, you're going to have to invest in the public good now. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.